What's good, Internet? It's your boy, Corey. Uh, I just quickly want to introduce you to my brand new project alongside my co-host, Albert Gim. Welcome to the Draft Act Podcast, an NBA Draft Podcast where we're going to cover the NBA Draft a little bit differently. Look, with all of the craze with the stock market these days, I figured might as well bring it to the NBA Draft Internet. We talk about these kids as as stock values anyway, right? So why not do an entire podcast and eventually website themed around that concept? And we did. So uh, quickly getting into this first episode, we're going to touch on the G League Ignite guys. Uh, myself and Albert, we're going to talk about Jalen Green and Kuminga. Uh, we're going to talk about Dacian Nix. We're going to talk about Isaiah Todd and maybe even a little bit of some of the other G League guys like Nico Mannion, uh, the return of Jeremy Lin, and uh, the ever-elusive uh, Alessi Pokashevsky. So thank you for uh, listening to this first uh, inaugural Draft DAC episode. And without further ado, take it away, Leo. You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. The only problem you're going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. All right, what's uh, what's going on, everybody? Uh, I'm excited to be here. This is this is really exciting. This is uh, a project that I've had in the back of my mind for a little bit, and and with all the GameStop madness, I feel like the time is now. Uh, so uh, I'm Corey Tulliba. Uh, you may have uh, known me from the Hardwood Herald or the Hardwood Magazine, maybe some some live shows, NBA Jam Sesh. Um, and I'm here with, uh, you know, my, my co-host, my, my partner on, on this project, uh, Albert Gim. Albert, how are we doing today? Dude, I'm so freaking excited. I don't know if uh, our <laughs> listeners can tell from my voice, but this is like a dream come true. You know, I mean, Corey and I, we've done some stuff together before. We recorded a pod before about the NBA draft. And this just feels like a, the, like the culmination of like, 30 years of my life you know just <laughs> this feels awesome I, i'm so excited and um yeah I, i'm excited to join you on this journey and we're gonna talk a lot about uh <laughs> some really young guys which you know <laughs> if you think about the concept of it all i think it's crazy but as you mentioned i i feel like the connection between high school and college players and like stocks it, it's it's a brilliant connection so uh, we're ready to talk it all with you guys and um yeah I, I hope you guys enjoy the stuff that we pump out there yeah and and just to, to reiterate you know the this is the draft act podcast and we're going to kind of talk about these players like you know we talk about them on the internet is the player yeah. stock going up or down who's rising who's who's dropping you know i on, on my youtube channel i you know i started a series called stock risers so i've covered a couple of guys i covered cam thomas Corey kispert a couple of guys that have had some you know kind of explosive moments um or good seasons and they they were on the outside looking in and now you know they're firmly in the first round and even possibly the top 10 so and and look we have the g league bubble happening now and that's what we're going to focus on today. But in a month from now, we're going to have March Madness in some capacity, we think, in you know, the, the college bubble. So it's right. going to be a really exciting time leading into the draft. Uh, it's still going to be a, a non-traditional season in draft uh, when mm -hmm. comparing it to you know, years past, but probably a little bit more normal than, than last year's, which was never ending. And, um, you know... It weighs on me heavy at night. I still have have <laughs> dreams about it. Uh, so so uh, 
let's let's start it off talking about our our blue chip stocks, our blue chip prospects, right? This, it's Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga. Who who do you want to tackle first? <sighs> I think Corey. I think you personally, you probably want to talk Kaminga a little bit more, <laughs> um, just because you know you got your Bulls connections. But yeah. I, I actually wanted to talk about Jalen Green because. Okay. For me, if I can like just really quickly, I, I felt like Jalen Green to me felt like Tesla back in March. So for our listeners out there, if you don't really follow the market that closely or whatever, even I'm not some expert either. But <laughs> I remember back in March when the pandemic hit, Tesla stock like really plummeted for a while. I remember going on the Robinhood app and I hope I don't get canceled for that, uh, for being <laughs> on the Robinhood app. But I'm a beginner. We're so. a we- Weeble now, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Weeble now. Um, but I remember I was on the Robinhood um, app and I saw that Tesla had dropped to like 300 bucks. And if we look at Tesla now, you know, they skyrocketed again and then had to do the whole splits or whatever. That's exactly how I feel about Jalen Green. I feel like a lot of people, you know, we, you know how people can get on the Internet, especially Twitter, Instagram, whatever. We can definitely overreact to a single game, to a single possession even sometimes. And I feel like Jalen Green is that blue chip stock that people need to hold on to. Don't listen to any of the outside noise. Don't overreact to the first half or the first quarter because Jalen Green is a clear blue chip stock. He's the type where you hold on to for the next 10, 20 years and you just watch the grass grow. You know he's going to explode. You know he's going to get you great ROI, right? Return on your investment. <laughs> You're going to see that. And that's exactly how I feel. And just, I mean, Corey, so uh, let's hear from you how you felt. Because I thought as much as people were like killing him and hard on him for, you know, the, the areas where he lacked in the first half, I still saw a lot there that really intrigued me. So just wanted to get your thoughts too. Yeah. So the way that I'm, I'm kind of taking these games in is that like I'm only looking for specific little things that the the prospects are doing um you know I look I I don't expect these guys to look like seasoned pros this this is the first real run they've had in so long you know like they they were high school players the last time we saw them you know maybe Mm. they played AAU you know uh after their their high school season and now they're jumping in against pros. And yeah, they've been right. practicing with pros, you know, Jarrett Jack, Amir Johnson. Uh, like, so yeah, they have that experience that is really valuable on a practice court, but nothing matches the speed of a mm. real game. So right. I fully expected a guy like Jalen Green to look a little rusty. Mm. Um, you know, they've been grinding really hard. And and uh, since about August, they, they've been in, in California before they went to the bubble practicing with the Ignite team. But, you know, he's a guy that, like, his value is on hitting tough shots and and being that guy who can go get you a bucket whenever he needs to, you know, and a shot clock. Um, So, you know, I I fully expected him to kind of not try to overdo it necessarily. But, you know, whether he made or misses his shots in the first game back or struggled, you know, coming around screens with Nico Mannion guarding him. I, I right. wasn't really worried about that. I, I was more interested in seeing like, you know, in the second half, he, he made a nice read out of the pick and roll that, you know, resulted in, in a, uh, a layup. You know, how did he look right. running the break? Like you can't overanalyze, like you said, that one game when you're trying to project somebody forward so far into the future when he has a track record. Like, it's not like he only, you know, played well, uh, in AAU or in high school right. where 
you know, he can get a little chucky and, and, and whatnot um, because that's, you know, he's the guy that's his team. Like if you go and you watch the FIBA under 19 tournament where he's kind of in the, a similar role that I think he's going to play on this ignite team, you know, playing alongside Cade Cunningham and Tyrese Halliburton and Reggie Perry mm-hmm. and Jalen Suggs and Evan Mobley and you know, just an absolutely stacked all-star game. And mm-hmm. those games are all on YouTube to watch. So I, I highly recommend doing it, but he was very much complimentary, you know, catch and shoot and create when he can get out in transition and defend. And that's kind of what I want to see from him. You know, I, mm-hmm. I eventually he'll get his own team and he'll be able to kind of show off his whole offensive package. But I just want to see, can he get a shot off whether it goes in or not? He's going to be able to hit shots. You know, we've, mm-hmm. we've seen him at tough shots. I, can he get it off cleanly? Can he get to his spots? And uh, that's what I'm going to look at going forward. That's what I kind of wanted to see. And and how did he adjust? How was he going to adjust and, you know, deal with adversity? And, and, you know, mm-hmm. he, he wasn't, he didn't look like the best player on the floor by any means in, in his first game, but, I, I thought that he looked as I expected him to look. So, you know, I'm not going to hop off of the Jalen Green train mm-hmm. just because he had a sloppy, you know, first half of, yeah. of, of you know, his first pro game um, mm-hmm. in over probably a year. Yeah. Dude, I, I, I can't agree with you more just because I feel like one of the biggest mistakes that Look, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a professional scout or anything like that, but a lot of people on Twitter feel like they are uh, um, professional scouts and they have crazy <laughs> opinions about these players. And sure. the thing for me, like, I, I just, I, I don't want to ever overreact about an 18 or 19 year old player, especially playing his first professional game, as you mentioned, you know, yeah. like there, there are so many human aspects of the game that I think we tend to overlook and we just expect like, Hey, these, these, these kids are superstars, whatever, you know, but I, I don't want to overreact to that. And the biggest thing for me while watching Jalen Green play, even just his first game as a G League Ignite player, the thing that I loved about Jalen Green is his athleticism is different. Now, I, every single year we have players that, you know, we claim are really, really explosive and really athletic. The, the player that comes to my mind right away is Derek Williams. I remember Derek Williams coming out of Arizona. People talk so much about his athleticism, right? And how that was right. going to translate. But for me, I never saw that through his tape i always felt like he was athletic but he wasn't like that that elite class of athleticism you know but yeah. when you watch jalen green it, it's different i i don't remember if it was like ramona shelburne or who it was that reported it this week but it, they said in practices it looked like he was jumping off a trampoline you know yeah. and even even from that first game when you watch him you feel kind of like i don't really like comparing like high school and college players to nba players but the, the feeling that I got for him, it was kind of like a young T-Mac, like a young mm-hmm. Co- Kobe in terms of like that level of athleticism where it's so easy, you know, the way that they get off yeah. the floor. I don't know if he's like Vince Carter level in terms of his vertical, but the explosiveness is there. And I definitely feel like, as you mentioned, right, the more time, the more reps, the more experience that he gets playing next to Kaminga, playing with Zay Todd, playing with uh, Daisha Nix. This is all, you know, a learning process. And they're going to have 15 games in this G League bubble. And I think along the way, like by the end of it, I think all the people that were slamming Jalen Green after his first game, I think they're really going to regret it because he's got, there's a reason why he's on our blue chip section right now, right? The kid has something different. And I think we're going to come to see that by the end of it. And I'm excited to keep watching him play. Yeah, so... uh a lot of those names, I know, you know, my guy, Mike Schmitz compared him to kind of Zach Levine athletically, uh, you know, where you could kind of just like, you know, he's the guy who goes into the LA fitness and 
He's right. wearing, you know, sweatpants and then the game ends and everybody's shooting around and he gets the ball and he's just doing a, a tomahawk without <laughs> stretching, you know. Right. Um, but as far as the, the one player who I always immediately went to when I saw him play, and I think it's based a lot on the movements, the length, he's not quite as tall, um, mm-hmm. is Rudy Gay. A young Rudy Gay, I think a lot of people don't remember how yeah. special he was athletically at UConn. And, and how effortlessly he did everything. Like he was always an effortless scorer and, or at least shot taker, you know, like, um, and and that's why he was a guy you could go to at the end of a game, you know, whether he was taking efficient shots early on in his career to get you to the end of the game was questionable. And I think Jalen green probably is going to have a lot of those same questions, but getting the shots off and doing things in transition and uh, you know, defensively, I think that they share very similar athletic qualities. Um, mm-hmm. You know, honestly, if you go back and watch Rudy Gay on YouTube, it's going to hurt your eyes. It's insane right. that he's not even that old of a prospect and the quality mm-hmm. of video is like unbearably <laughs> tough to watch. Uh, you know, when I was doing my Jalen Green um, preseason breakdown that you can find on the Hardwood Herald YouTube page, uh, where I broke down his high school and FIBA tape, I really wanted to insert some Rudy Gay clips, and I was crappy. I clipped them up, and I was just like, I can't do this. Like, I, I don't even know what I'm watching half the time. But yeah, like you said, it's his. He has special gifts that you can't measure on a stat sheet. You know, you right. have to watch it. Like you said, he moves differently, and sometimes with these prospects, that's part of the evaluation. Is is just what are you watching? Like, is that special? Like, is there a special thing that this person is going to have when they step onto an NBA court right Mm -hmm. away that they're not going to have to learn? It's just an innate part of them. Um, And, you know, patience is a part of the game long-term and and that's why, you know, he's a blue chip stock that you want to hold for the long run. Right. Look at Zach Levine right now. He's averaging 28 points a game on basically 50, 40, 90 percentages with five assists a game. It's like, he's in like legitimately rare company. Mm -hmm. And if you would have kind of said that maybe two years ago, Mm -hmm. let alone when he was a a rookie whose you know, Jersey looked like it was hanging off of him because he was so skinny. skinny, Like uh, you would have been, you know, crazy, but these, sometimes these guys take time. And, um, you know, the thing is, I think that Jalen Green actually has a pretty good basketball IQ when he's playing in a team structure. So I don't think it's going to take all that long for him to kind of show off a lot of the these things that he's really solid at. But yeah, I, I, I wasn't discouraged by him coming out sloppy by any means. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you, man. This, this is, once again, it, we're even for us, like we're coming off the first game of the G League Ignite, you know? And so yeah. there, I'm sure there's a lot more for us to learn. But, you know, with, with Jalen Green kind of like not having the hottest start, uh, I, your boy, Kaminga, wow. He <laughs> showed so Ooh. much. And um, Corey, I think for me, the first thing that I kind of wanted to like bring to the table when it comes to Kaminga like like you mentioned with the Rudy Gay tape being so grainy and like hard to watch, yeah. almost everything that the G League put up with the scrimmages um, up until now, that was some pretty crappy uh, quality <laughs> video too. You know, that was hard to watch. But dude, Kaminga, like th- the first thing that popped off for me was like, I couldn't believe his, like his floor game. Like his oh, understanding yeah. on the court was so much higher than anything I could have expected. Mm-hmm. And it, the playmaking and passing, like, 
I had read some stuff and whatever, but I, I thought it was like, it was something I could have never expected. And that really kind of popped off the screen to me. Uh, the strength, the body, like that's clear, right? You can tell like this, like his physicality is like NBA level already. It feels like, you know, like he is such a like big kid, like really, really big. And the wingspan is there and all that. But I, I think the first thing that I did want to mention was the passing and, and the feel and, and the floor game. Like I did not see that at all. And I really left that first game like I once again we don't want to overreact to Jalen Green I didn't want to overreact to Kaminga at the same time but damn like that was really really impressive I mean one you said it the physicality he's a a man amongst men yeah (laughs) you know like yeah um, (laughs) but in regards to his passing this is I think the benefit that you'll see to going the route that some of these kids went with the Ignite team these are kids that have been in the gym since August with NBA coaching, with NBA players mm-hmm. and other incredibly high, highly ranked prospects that are all learning how to play an NBA game. Right. So a lot of these reads that they're making, they've been working on in practices for six months. Right. You know, and now is their time to kind of show those off. So you know, they're getting an experience that they maybe, you know, drop down draft boards early on because of the exclusivity of, of not being able to see them. And then you see other guys in college that are balling out, mm-hmm. but these guys were working behind the scenes. It's not like right. they just fell off the face of the earth. Um, so, you know, these are all things that, that they worked on. And, and if you go and watch the, the Kaminga interview uh, with Schmitz, you know, mm-hmm. he, he breaks down, you know, the, the reads, you know, he's, he's looking at his tape from high school and, and breaking down like where he missed or right. where maybe one of his teammates will be on an NBA level, but you know, high school kids don't read the game right. at an NBA level. So a lot of times, you know, if, you know, one of the guards on the weak side just stands in a spot and doesn't lift on a drive, you know, you can't mm-hmm. make some of these reads. So, right. um, so, you know, to me, obviously the passing was incredibly um, impressive considering it was kind of, you know, that's, that's one of the, the question marks of his game, but right. in a wide open NBA game, he, he's going to read it well enough to, I don't think he's going to be, you know, a primary playmaker like right. Luca is, you know, another, you know, big guy hardened something like that, but, he could definitely serve as, you know, a secondary playmaker for, for your team if, if need be uh, just because he's going to draw so much attention from the defense and things are, and things are going to open up. And, and as he continues to just grow as a player and get more experience, these things are going to be more and more apparent and teams are going to start realizing like, Oh shit, like this kid can, Mm -hmm. he's physical. He could score. Like we got to maybe send some doubles at him and dig at him down low. And and that's when he's, he's going to be able to, to make these reads and make his teammates better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I a hundred percent agreed with all that. I I just feel like, um, now I I hope I don't get aggregated for this, but I, I really felt like not in terms of like the player, right. But in terms of like the intensity and the fearlessness that he had on the court, it reminded me, you remember like rookie year Giannis, like when he yeah. was still so stick skinny, but he was on the floor and he was ferocious and he was, you know, still flexing, even though he didn't have muscles back then. <laughs> like 
Kaminga had that kind of demeanor to me. Not that he was flexing or anything like that, but he, you, you see the intensity like on the floor. Right, like every yeah. possession seemed to matter to him. It felt like he he ha- he it was you could see it in his eyes almost, where he really wanted to win. He really wanted to play well. I, I think objectively for me, when I watched this game, I felt like the handle was like a little sloppy, but that's okay, right? Like handle something you can clearly work on. I think the jump shot, we still need to see more of the jump shot. I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't 100%. think the jump, I didn't think the jump shot was ugly per se. But hey, you know. He's 18, 19. He's still going to work on, you know, those aspects of the game. But if we look at it in, in his totality and we look at how impressive he was and on the defensive side too, just, man, the, the arms go forever, right? Yeah. It, it, his wingspan looks ridiculous. And then as you mentioned, the strength and the physicality. If you're an NBA scout, if you're an NBA front office and you watch just that first game, you'd be like, holy crap. Like I, I as much as I freaking love Cade, I love Jalen Suggs. I love Jalen Green. I don't see how by the end of this bubble, Kaminga won't be in the conversation for a top two pick. Like I, I think he's that freaking good and that special. And it's kind of scary to think about. I 100% agree with you. Yeah. And I think that NBA teams are... I, I, look, I think Cade has the number one lockdown. I think yeah. that's a conversation that we can kind of just bypass. I know that people will want to have it. Uh, on whether or not he (laughs) he's going to be but it's like no he's going to be the number one pick um but i agree with you and i kind of think that by the end of this draft season that kaminga is going to solidify himself as the number two guy i mean i think that mobley is going to have to do something unbelievable the rest of the the way to Mm -hmm. kind of and look obviously early let's not overreact to one game but it's it's more than just oh he played well because it's not like he was exceptional he had mm-hmm. i think 18 on like 17 shots he's one of seven from three it's not like he shot great but it's the things that he was able to show that okay i'm a kid in my first pro game and i am bodying you on my way to the yeah. hoop and you're yeah. doing nothing i'm moving you off your spot the physicality like you said the handle's not like he's not Kyrie, but yeah there's shake to it mm-hmm. you know like he's not stiff um and just like some functional ball handler, like he's got a little bit of shake. He's got great footwork. And then he could take you down, play you in the mid post. He's got, he's got touch. Like I, to me, like with the way the, you know, the league is going like, yeah, Mobley is, is a very, very, very good prospect. Uh, But I, I think that what does every team want? They want that kind of like, three four swingman who could play up to a five sometimes guard multiple positions score from the perimeter create a little bit i think that just has more value in the nba than a big man like mobley where you know even anthony davis needed lebron james to have his first really successful year so like how far can a guy like mobley take you by himself where i think teams can be like hey kaminga could be a number one guy down the line Mm -hmm. and i don't think that mobley can so, so I agree with you. I think that he is on this on this G League team. He's the blue chip stock. Right. He is he's the stock that everyone's gonna go. Oh shit! Like he can't rise that much more than you just because of where he's been implanted. Yeah. But I think he's gonna firmly cement himself as you know the number two guy by the, by the time the draft rolls around. It, it's I, 
I mean, hundred percent. I think it's funny that you mentioned Mobley, right? Because Mobley is a guy that will have a separate pod to discuss Mobley. Yeah. But I a hundred percent agree with you because I, I thought it was crazy that you brought up Anthony Davis, right? Because I feel like a lot of people are comparing him to AD and they feel like that could be his upside, right? He could become that kind of big, but to be honest, like, are, are, are you, are you looking for, I, I mean, just look at last year's draft, right? James Wiseman, you know, some people had number one on their board. Some people had, hey. you know, a little bit low, <laughs> right. Right. And, and, and yet like at the same time, it's kind of like, if you look at the way that the league is going, as you mentioned, and people want positional versatility, you want to be able to guard multiple positions. Like Kaminga is kind of the dream, yeah. um, you know, well, he's and not just, he's, he's kind of right. like the prospect, like, everybody wants Pat Williams to be, (laughs) you know, like, and like, don't be wrong. Like I am unbelievably satisfied with Pat Williams. Like I love Mm. that he's a Chicago bull, but I feel like people are talking themselves into Pat Williams, almost like they, like, that's what Kaminga is, you know, like, like what can Pat Williams be? That's what Kaminga. I think there's a much clearer path just from like an offensive aggression standpoint. And, and now, you know, Williams shot up to fourth, Right. you know, in, in right. this draft. So I think that that archetype is the type that teams want, you know, and, and I think that's going to be more and more apparent. I mean, uh, look at the success Jeremy Grant has had this year, right? you right. know, like it, at that position. I, I mean, it hasn't led to wins really, but uh, <laughs> the guy's balling out of his mind and he could do a little bit of everything. So um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like Mobley, I, I, the AD comparisons are crazy, and I, he, I'm actually he, he's the first official film sesh uh, of the year. You know, I did like the the Kispert mm-hmm. breakdown, I did uh, the Cam Thomas, I did one on Cade and Jalen right. Green, but Cade and Jalen Greens were like preseason, you know, high right. school AAU, you know, stuff like that. Um, but his Evan Mobley is the first official like film sesh that I'm doing, and you know, I mentioned the Anthony Davis stuff because uh, I, I want people to go back and watch. Just not even games. Anthony Davis highlights from Kentucky. Yeah. Anthony Davis moves like a legitimately elite shooting guard. Mm-hmm. And he's seven feet tall. I am not sure we are going to see this again for another 10, 15 years. Like it's yeah. the he literally look like if every he just looks like he's six six on the court, yeah. but he's seven feet tall. And that's the way he moves. And Evan Mobley doesn't move like that. And mm-hmm. it's not a knock on Evan Mobley. Nobody, nobody moves like that. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so uh, to me, I think Kaminga is is going to be a guy who shoots past him. And then, uh, you know, I think Suggs is is the guy that's going to suffer the most from the G League guys. Um, I love Suggs because I, you know, just the coach in me is like, he's like the coach's dream, like mm-hmm. plays hard, the leadership, yeah. the toughness, like, you know, guys who knows what the kind of injury he, we thought he was going to have in that, like, I think it was like the third game early on yeah. and he comes back. It's like a meaningless game to, to come back and risk it. But he does that uh, the way he plays, you know, he's like, we'll, we'll again, we'll break all these prospects down, right. but I think he's the guy that's going to uh, suffer the most out of the guys in the top five, but yeah, Kaminga, man, it just, <laughs> it, the, the physicality and the movement, it's, it's, it's there. Yeah. It's there to see. Yeah. It's it, it, there's not a lot of overthinking it. You're just like, ooh, he popped. Yeah. No, as you mentioned, Kaminga is kind of like the guy that NBA execs would create in a lab right now. That that's yeah. that's Kaminga, and that's exactly yeah. why these front offices are going to fall in love with him. And yeah, he, he's he kind of has 
obviously not a full package yet. You know, none of these guys do. But if you consider all that, you know, when you were talking about Mobley and his mobility, like he definitely is mobile, but he's kind of like legs, if you know what I mean. Like his legs are kind of stiff, you know, and he doesn't really chop too well. It's kind of like I was watching Justin Patton the other day play for my Westchester (laughs) Knicks. And like that's kind of the feel that I got from from Mobley. Like he's Mobley's more agile. He, You know, he's more athletic, but it's not the greatest you know and you know the thing that people are interested in is like that mobility that fluidity in these bigs if you are going to draft a big that high which is why Wiseman was taken so high last year but another big that well actually I don't know if you want to even transition to this part but I, yeah I let's love, do it I love Zaytod um, yeah. And I, for me, I love Zay Todd since he was in high school. And there's a reason why Juwan Howard was so sad when he decided to opt out of Michigan <laughs> and go play in the G League, you know, because this kid Zay Todd, like he, you mentioned that AD back in Kentucky moved like a 6'6 guard. When you watch Zay Todd on the screen, it, it it's alarming. Like I, I, I'm watching and I'm like, this is like a freak of nature. It doesn't make sense for a big to be moving the way that Zay Todd does. And it's not simply that he's like fast or that he jumps high, but like his leg movements, like his flexibility, like these are things that, you know, you really kind of have to watch for. And mm-hmm. he, he's just strange. I think that's the best way to put it. He's a weird prospect because of how freaking fluid he is. And the jump shot looks pretty. And so oh, for me, so I'm, I'm really high on Zay Todd, and yeah, I think a lot of I think he may jump up a lot of draft boards. Well, he's de- well, he's barely on draft boards exactly, right now. Yeah. You know, he's definitely gonna be a a, a guy who rises. Uh, you know, people didn't see him, right? So you know, out of sight, out of mind. Um, mm-hmm. Which is you know why you can't really trust a lot of <laughs> these draft boards. Like yes. always remember, always remember, like a lot of these boards are run by just like people doing this as a hobby and then like Mm -hmm. like it's you have to spend an inordinate amount of time in studying this like and for years to really have a feel on like 90 prospects worth especially like this early in the process (laughs) so just that's just like a safeguard i think like don't treat boards as gospel um Mm -hmm. but you but you will notice with good play that players are jumping up boards for good reason um and that's why you know the draft act this you know their stock rises um you would know, say todd he's a little bit more volatile he's a volatile stock right you know i, I think he, he's not a blue chip people aren't mocking him automatically in the top 10 but yeah. I, i'm glad you talked about his movement because i think if you look at his high school you know taper his he moves so well like you said he moves kind of like a guard i almost feel like he has like the same kind of body type as like Michael Porter Jr. But Michael Porter Jr. is a little stiff. I almost feel like if he, if Michael mm-hmm. Porter Jr. moved more like Zay, like if they just switch bodies, Michael Porter Jr. would legitimately be T-Mac. Um, yeah. oh, you know, yeah. uh, and that's not to say, I think that Zay Todd will end up being more impactful than Michael Porter Jr. will be uh, mm-hmm. just that like, yeah, his, his movement is so fluid. Uh, I think that in this specific setting, you know, I, I don't think his stock is going to rise quite as high as maybe it would have if he did go to college. Right. Uh, because he is going to be a guy who's more of just like pick and pop, uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe more reliant offensive, offensive rebound, do like, you know, a lot of things without the ball in his hand. So in that regard, I, you know, 
he's not going to do a lot of sexy things that show up on a highlight reel outside of knockdown jumpers. I think, um, you know, maybe he, I'm sure he'll have like a highlight dunk here and there. Cause he's, you know, super athletic, but yeah. you know, it, what you want to see from him, if you're actually like grading his prospect is like, how is he doing in drop coverage? How is he doing mm-hmm. on switches and, and stuff like that. And that's not stuff that lands in, you know, uh, on the house of highlights, <laughs> you, right. know, you know what I mean? Right. So I don't think his stock, uh, when you're looking at draft boards is going to be super, super high uh, because he's not a feature, you know, Jalen green mm-hmm. is, is a feature. Kaminga is a feature. And then like Jarrett Jack is trying to get back into the league, you know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there are these guys like Bobby Brown, uh, you right. know, like there are these guys who have the ball in their hands that are also on this team that are there to be veteran leaders, but also like, I'm there to prove that I could still play and maybe use this right. as an opportunity to land on a roster. So for a guy like Zay Todd, who's unlike Dacian Nix, who is going to have the ball in his hands and get mm-hmm. to make decisions like that. I think his stock is going to rise just from the exposure and being on this team, but also not rise as high as it would have if he was playing, you know, at a big time college school on ESPN all the time. I mean, what you're describing is um, he could have been Anthony Edwards, right? If he had went to Michigan, I feel like with that team and, you know, you know with the exposure you know, like, that Anthony Edwards, you know. Yeah, he would he yeah. would have been. I, I mean, this is a very stacked draft. So I don't, you know, I think he could have been top 10. I mean, at, yeah. after f- five, maybe six, um, depending on how you feel about like Jalen Johnson or, you know, right. maybe the Tennessee kids or. I mm-hmm. you're jumping up. Uh, I think it's very fluid after that. And, and um, cause I think a lot of guys who were really hyped up have not played to the level that you'd expect. And that's something that I'm sure I'm going to mention a bunch of times throughout the course of uh, this podcast life, because I think mm-hmm. that <sighs> the ball is life mixtape era. <sighs> they really, really, overdo it sometimes to a point that people really think that they see things in these players that aren't there. Mm. And, and, you know, I'll get into that a lot more when we break down certain prospects, but uh, this Mm. ball is life era has really made it hard on certain prospects to truly flourish because not everybody is going to be a superstar and, and not everybody is meant to have the ball in their hands and, and not everybody's skill set is, you know, beneficial having the ball in their hands it's you're gonna look worse doing that sometimes and mm-hmm. it's it's really hurt uh and i'm not trying to be the old guy like get off my lawn <laughs> yelling at the clouds but um because mm-hmm. i like i watch them you know yeah. like i yeah. well i don't want to watch mac mcglung do like a 720 dunk like of course i mm-hmm. do um mm-hmm. but you know they, as far as what it does for a prospect it lands you early in mocks but it doesn't necessarily do it for the long term uh so <laughs> dude the the ultimate the ultimate example of that is like Austin Rivers going 10th right yeah. Shabazz Muhammad going in the first round like i remember Shabazz Muhammad at Bishop Gorman freaking ball his life posted a video of him i think like two or three times a week like he was yeah. well he was also the... uh, lying about his age well, <laughs> <Right>? that... <laughs> <laughs> but it was insane like how much content that they had for Austin yeah. Rivers and Shabazz Muhammad so i 100% agree with you man i i think that a lot gets lost a lot gets lost yeah. in those highlight videos and you see a lot of warm up dunks and a lot of hyping the crowd and stuff like that and that's just not 
anything like NBA basketball. No, and, um, it's not. Yeah. And you mentioned with Zay Todd, I, I feel bad. You know, he's fighting for minutes with the corpse of Amir Johnson. And <laughs> I remember seeing Amir Johnson on the on the floor yesterday thinking, like, Jesus, like, respects to you, Amir. Like, really trying to get another contract. But um, I, I ankle, agree with you. I don't know how he's still walking. He was supposed to have exactly. ankle problems, like, so many years ago. But he's, doing. He's yeah. you know, a good veteran <laughs> leader for that team. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but man. Zay Todd's going to show something because that did that yes. dude could stroke it. He could stroke it, man. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping that they run some, you know, they feature some uh, Dacian Knicks, Zay Todd, you know, high screen and roll, pick and pop action, mm. you know, going forward. I hope we see that. Should we, uh, should we talk some Dacian Knicks? Cause yeah, uh, we, I got some thoughts. Let's, uh, let's hear it. Let's hear your thoughts. So for me, you know Dacian Knicks, Alaska? did you know that? I, oh my goodness, bro. You <laughs> and I were texting about that. They mentioned it like every time he grabbed the ball, but, um, you know, for me with Dacian Knicks, it's it's hard to shake the image of the pudgy guard, right? And me being a lifetime Nick fan, like you see so much of Raymond Felton, not to say <laughs> that he's going to be Raymond Felton, but I mean, just from what we saw, even from the first game, right? Mm-hmm. You see he's not uh, a jump off the screen type of athletic player. Um, I think we saw him take one three, so we haven't seen much of the shooting at all. My only thing was it felt like he was really using his weight um, to kind of create some separation, but he doesn't really have like the crazy shiftiness or the crazy speed or the crazy first step to create like a lot of separation. Um, It felt like he was doing a lot of, you know, euros with like him leveraging his weight to create separation to get his shot up. So yeah, yeah, you know, like... I do want to see him, number one, shoot the ball more, and I want to see what that jump shot looks like. And number two, I think we do have to watch him play against maybe bigger guards, maybe more athletic guards to really kind of gauge what his game is going to be like. And, you know, once again, he is a little on the heftier side, and it does make you wonder, like, will he ever work that out? Will he ever get into, like, you know, the best shape? And then if that happens, what does that version of Dacian Knicks then look like? So I think those were kind of like my opening thoughts about him. I was I liked watching him. It felt like he was the best player on the court at times. But at the same time, I kind of want to pump the brakes because there's still a lot more that we have to see, I think. I uh, Yeah, absolutely. You're 100% right. And that's why he's a volatile stock. Yeah. Because he looked really, really good in this mm-hmm. opening game. Because he was doing a lot of, he was getting into the body, he was getting to the line, he he was able to handle the physicality of it. But like you said, he's out of shape, you know. And yeah. you mentioned Raymond Felton, you know. I know a, a lot of people have have mentioned kind of Kyle Lowry, but like Kyle Lowry has never been that, yeah, agreed. Out of shape, he's never been Felton out of shape. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And part of that is because he's, you know, he, I think he's just got a big ass in general. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but that's a, a legitimate concern. So like he's a guy who he's going to rise immediately on all of the mocks because he's barely in them. And now people have seen him and they're like, Oh, this kid could play a little bit. So he's going to rise, but then we'll see how far he rises because like you said, you want to see more shooting. Well, that's his question mark, right? Like he, he knocked like the end of the shot clock three down. Um, but that's not like a, Oh, in the flow of the offense, what is his shooting going to look like? Uh, he said that he's trying to model his game now more like, Damian Lillard but like he used to play like Jason Kidd or like Darren Williams and now he's kind of mm-hmm. focusing because that's you know the point guard I think every NBA team envisions but that's not going to be his game you yeah. know so like I don't know if that's a good idea I think like Darren Williams is probably actually a good player for him to emulate because he's kind of played at his own pace like 
he had like very quick shifty movements, but like he overall played at a, a at his own pace. He wasn't sped yeah. up by any means. And I think that's what Knicks is going to need to do. But the things that you like to see, I mean, he's able to make those advanced reads to the weak side corner and, you know, mm-hmm. in transition. And I think those are all things that if you knew anything about him, you're not surprised by, but it's good to actually see instead of just theoretically, you know, thinking about it, seeing it in practice is, was important, but yeah, it's, it's all about that body, man. Like I, I, I said on Twitter, like when he gets downhill, he's like a, a fullback, you know? Mm. And, and, and a lot of times, like when I did my Tyrese maxi breakdown, I said, when he gets downhill, he looks like a running back. I didn't say mm. that about Nick's because Nick's doesn't, you know, he looks like a fullback because he's, you know, he's a little heftier. And <laughs> so he's going to be a handful just from that perspective. And like, it's not like, I don't think he's going to be able to body a guy like Stephen Curry, Trey young or Dame, like at the NBA level with his, with his, you know, current physique, but right. he's also not going to be able to guard them on the other side of the ball like that. Um, Luckily, he's got a little size. Maybe with the right partner, he can guard some, I don't know, some wings. But he's going to have he's going to have to get in shape. It's not good. It's not a good look. But but he yeah. he was he was very good. And I, I like you said, at times he was the best player on the floor. Um, you know, I, I do want to see him get a little bit of run with Kaminga and Jalen Green, mm-hmm. uh, especially a guy like Jalen Green. I think he'll help out because he'll be able to create, you know, different kind of lanes for for Jalen to attack off the ball. Um, and Jalen is like really good off the ball. Uh, you know, most guys who are like have that kind of chucker moniker, um, you know, you kind of just picture standing in, in the corner. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and he's a guy who is really advantageous when he sees an opening and, and will, you know, cut back door and, and do stuff like that. So I think playing with a, a guard like Nick's who like is looking to make reads like that will be kind of beneficial to him, you know, possibly going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. You mentioned the weak side pass that he made. It was, that was a freaking dime. It was a perfect yeah. pass. And yeah. so for him to mention like how he used to play like Jason Kidd or whatever, like I think all that relates, right? Because what was Jason Kidd's biggest weakness coming into the league was his shooting, right? right. Like we, we yeah. he really struggled to shoot and then eventually became like a passable shooter. Like even in 2013 with the Knicks, like he, he took a lot of threes. Did he make a lot of them? Uh, yeah, he, knocks him, he knocks him down at a, a good yeah. enough rate that like right. you wanted to guard him or like contest the shot, but also mm-hmm. not a good enough clip that you were like, I have to hard contest and like exactly. run out. And, and, you know, especially, you know, with kid, like if you run him off the line and you overcommit, like he's going right. to tear apart the defense, but mm-hmm. Nick's going to be kind of the same way. And I, you know, to me, like if I'm guarding him, I'm going to go under every screen and like, right. You know, like, and, and when teams do that, how is he going to respond? Is he going to be able to knock down a shot? His shot isn't like broken, ugly. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. broken by any means, but it's also like a confidence thing. And like, are you going to be able to sh- continue shooting after you miss a couple and they keep going under? So that's what you, you know, what I kind of want to see going forward from him, but uh, outside of him, just not being in shape, I, you know, he was impressive for sh- Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think once again, we we just have to see him go against like different types of competition too, not just a Nico Mannion or a J- Jeremy Lin. I think the more we see him play against you know different types of defenders, I think that'll shed a lot more light on you know his 
stock, I guess, you know, yeah. I, I think that'll be really interesting to watch. And, you know, who knows, right? Like a Bobby Brown or a Jared Jack, these are, you know, a little older guys. If there's an injury, you know, that could happen too. Like, you know, yeah. I, I, I hate to bring up my Westchester Knicks again, but you know, Jared <laughs> Harper got hurt today. So they, they had other guys come in. So there are variables here where we may end up seeing Knicks play more with a Jalen Green and a, and a Kaminga. And, and if that happens, that'll be really, really interesting to watch for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, yeah, you could talk about the Westchester Knicks, the Bulls, the Windy City Bulls aren't in the in in the bubble right now. You know, they're they're not in the bubble. Uh, but we do have representation uh, with Devin Dotson and mm. the can with the Canton Charge. So mm. you know, still get what uh, overall what I'd like to see anyway. But uh, I'm excited about the G League bubble. This is this is really fun. Um, a really fun thing that they're doing. And honestly, I feel like it's something maybe they should consider even in non COVID times to generate interest uh, with the league. Cause the league's really good. The league is, it's really fun. Uh, you know, before COVID I was going to a lot of the long Island net games hey. uh, and they're like, tickets are like $5. Mm. Uh, you sit behind the bench, like to the point where you can literally like see them drawing up plays on the iPad. Um, it's high level play. And uh, there's so few people there sometimes that, I got chosen to like take the half court shot because you know, there's just not a lot of people there. Like you'll have weird things like that happen to you. Mm -hmm. So uh, whenever COVID is over and you know, we're allowed to go to G league games, it's the G league's fun. And and the talent level is so high now. Like, Mm. you know, I saw bull bull play up close and uh, I mean, so TLC with the nets, Timothy Luol Cabarro, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Henry Ellison, former Nick, uh, you know, a lot of, <laughs> lot, lot of, lot of, lot of guys. Um, yeah. But this G League bubble's fun, and uh, I'm, yeah. I'm really glad it's happening, and uh, I'm really glad we finally got to see these guys play actual games. You know, specifically yeah. the Ignite guys, because those are the guys we're going to see. But there's a lot of other guys in there that are, you know, that we spent a long time following. You know, Alexi Pokashevsky's there, Poku, Oof. the the legend himself. Uh, I haven't checked the box score today, but maybe he shot a free throw. He hasn't shot one in the NBA yet, but you know, these are the things that are going to be fun to, to watch. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. So yeah, I I think the biggest thing with the G league bubble this year is that there are so many guys that are in the bubble that like, or playing in the G league that usually might not have been in the G league. So I think that Mm -hmm. makes it even more interesting. Like uh, Alonzo Trier played today, put up like 26 points. Um, you know, it, it's really interesting to see yeah. the guys that are really trying to get contracts, even for our Westchester Knicks, um, watching James Young back, you know, competing wow. on a stage yeah. where we're watching, you know, it was like, damn, I remember when he got drafted by the Celtics, like there was so much hope, you know, like I remember the legendary video clip of Bill Simmons, you know, <laughs> when he was covering the draft, he was like celebrating the draft pick. Yeah, and exactly. Right. And to see James Young out there with like a full on beard. He, I think he chucked up like 12 threes today, which, you know, <laughs> it's okay. You're in the G Let League. You're going to, yeah, shoot your shot. That's been really interesting to watch. But, um, hey, you know, before we wrap on the G League Ignite, there was a name that I wanted to bring up um, because, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to see him for a little bit because he's he has like uh, contractual things with his national team in the Philippines. But I, Kai Soto is a guy that I think is interesting because I feel like he's kind of a product of what you talked about before with like the ball is life videos Mm. where Kai Soto was on a lot of those videos. And another guy that you and I are going to talk about in a couple of years is a kid Chet Holmgren because I, I'm not feeling him at all. 
but they put him on a million videos. But I feel like Kai Soto is kind of like that too, where he was, you know, a high school guy. I think he was like a four-star prospect, but he's like wildly skinny. Um, but you know, there's certain, there are some things to like, like, you know, he's, he's a lefty shooter, you know, he's got some touch to his game, but he's not very athletic. He's really, really skinny. There are major holes to his game, but he's going to be back in a couple of weeks, you know, after playing for the Philippines. And he's somebody who I think if he gets the playing time might actually see his stock plummet because of those issues in his game. And so uh, that, that I think that's something to watch out for too. I you know I I think I agree with you. I'm I can't say I've watched a ton of his like footage from yeah. the previous years from the past right. outside of like you know some mixtapes or whatever, which you can't really right. get much out of, like we said. But I have seen some practice practice footage of the G League, um, mm-hmm. and I just don't think he moves well enough. <laughs> you know, like I just he's so slow uh, yeah. and. It, you can't just shoot it. Like you're a big man. You have to be mobile enough to defend. And I don't think that he's going to be like an elite shot blocker on the level of like Rudy Gobert or something that he's going to be able to just sit in a drop. And like, you'll take your chances getting burned on three point shots while, you know, he, I don't think that's him. Um, But I agree with you. I think that if he does play, I, I don't, think he's going to he's definitely i definitely don't see him as a first you know first round guy now but i don't think that that's gonna change yeah yeah and i don't know if he's gonna be a second round guy either like uh just because i think he's slow and i don't think he's got like enough off the bounce game offensively like you got to be like a a stud offensively if you're not going to be able to guard as a big and i mean even you know look at a guy like laurie markinen on my team in the bulls like First of all, I'm I'm still in on him. I still think he's a positive influence. He's been balling this year. He just can't stay healthy. But like, there are a lot yeah. of question marks amongst the fan base of like, how much can a big man like Markkinen help you if you want to be a winning team? When there are defensive question marks, he's not a big shot blocker, so he struggles at the five. Yep. Um, and is what he's providing enough on offense? Is kind of just like a, a shooter and take it off the dribble a little bit score, maybe like a 20 point guy, but doesn't do a lot of creating for other people. Like how valuable is that in this league? Mm. So like, that's almost like would be your absolute best case scenario for a guy like Soto probably. And it's, I don't think it's a realistic one by any means, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. um, so what is, what does he do for you in the long run and on your team outside of just like, I don't know, bench fodder, like maybe some six fouls here and there. I don't know, but I don't know. I, I haven't seen enough of them outside of what I've seen in yeah. practice footage. So I don't want to, you know, bury the kid uh, before mm-hmm. we see him in. in- uh, as I think of like the Sharif Abdul Rahim syndrome, where if you remember Sharif with, uh, whether he was with the Grizzlies or Grizzlies. with the Hawk, anything, he, he was always the silent 20 point scorer. Like he, you, you look at the box score, 20 points. Did he, did he move the needle? Did he affect the game in any way? Not really. It's like he put up 20 points so you could get to 90 points, but that's pretty much it. You know, yeah, and I somebody think, had to put up 20. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's kind of how I feel about Soto. I don't want to say that Markinen's like that yet because no, I still he's think, not. yeah, he's yeah. Not. I don't think he is. I think I right. think I, I don't think he's a number one or two option. He's not Dirk, you know, like everybody mm-hmm. wants the that if you're seven feet white can shoot a little bit you know you're you're the next Dirk and it's like Mm -hmm. it's just outrageous 
as, you know, saying somebody's going to be the next LeBron. Like right. some of these players are one of ones, but uh, I'm not out on marketing. I still, I still like him a lot and I still hope the bulls, you know, can offer him a contract or work something out eventually, <laughs> but you know, that's a, that's a different podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, other than other than you know the guys that we mentioned, and other than the G League Ignite guys, was wondering if any of the like other guys, right, like the former NBA guys or like the current you know NBA guys that got sent down, anybody stick out to you um, from that game or from any other games? Uh, well, I only watched the the one game, uh, okay. the Ignite the Ignite team. Uh, I mean, I thought Jeremy Lin like he looked pretty good. I mean, he yeah. played like he played. I think he had like eighteen points and like. 18 minutes or something. And I think it just kind of shows like how much better NBA talent is than just the rest of the world. Where like Jeremy Lin's a guy who had a long career. Um, mm-hmm. Actually the game, the day of the Julia game was, I think like the anniversary of maybe yep. the, the Raptors or the Lakers game winner, the Laker uh, game, from Lin the, Sanity, Laker game. the Laker yeah. game for Lin Sanity. Um, but he's just, it's like, he's a guy who's washed out of the league and like, he still can walk into the G league and kind of effortlessly put stats up, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just, it's funny how, how easily um, some of these guys can just go in and play when, yeah. when they're playing almost not like down a level because the G league is pro and there's a lot of really good players, but you know, down a level because the NBA players are a different level than, than the G leagues even still. Yeah. So I thought, I thought Lynn just was like, eh, yeah, I'm going to walk into this three point shot and hit it effortlessly. And you know, I, I, it feels like if he wanted to play like a full 35 minute game, he would have had like 35 points if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, he, he definitely was there. And, you know, for me as a Nick fan, as, as a Korean, as an Asian, you know, like Jeremy Lynn will always be near and dear <laughs> in my heart, but I really, you, you know, I think we talked about him before. I loved Mannion going into the draft, and yep. I thought it was great. I, I think it's really good for him that he's down there because they were talking about it on the broadcast. I think Re- um, Rebecca Lobo mentioned it, former uh, New York Liberty legend. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, they were mentioning how Mannion's been sent down there to take shots, right? They really want him to be aggressive and to shoot a lot, and I think he did that. I think that's cool. Um, I like Jordan Poole. I, I've kind of always liked Jordan Poole. I feel Me like too. there's something there's something there with him. Like, he's he's never going to be... I don't think he'll ever be an all-star, but I no. kind of like guys like Jordan Poole, like guys who are fearless, guys who can shoot a little bit, guys yeah. who are energy guys, you know? Yeah, he could, and, if he puts it yeah. together, you could see a little, like, uh, you know, J.R. Smith off the bench type of guy, yeah. you know? Jamal, I mean, these are guys that are, like, did it at the highest level, Jamal Crawford, J.R. Smith, but, like, you know, that kind of player who could just kind of come in, be a, a microwave, and... Because yeah. he's got, you know, he's shifty, he could hit shots, and tough shots, you know, tough shot taker and maker. Uh, I thought with Nico one, besides the fact that he looks like Moe's uh, with that beard, <laughs> uh, which <laughs> like uh, ginger Moe's um, yeah. besides that, I feel like he looks kind of like beefy in a good way. Like he put mm. on like positive muscle. Yeah. Yeah. He, he didn't look so like, like at Arizona, he, he looked physically overmatched um, at times. Uh, even though I thought he was like solid defensively and, and whatnot, but it was just like, it was clear that like as good as his lateral movement was just from a physicality standpoint, his, you know, due to his length and everything, like he was probably going to have a hard time covering NBA players, but I, I thought his body looked good. I thought, you know, he looks like he 
put time in the weight room. And I, I, I think that's important for him. Uh, Cause besides just like defensively, like it'll help him as a finisher eventually. And, and yeah, I think this experience is going to be really good for him. Uh, I, I think that's one of the things we'll, you know, to also talk about in this podcast. Like we spent so much time with this last, last draft. Like we're going to talk about guys like the rookies who, whose stock, you know, has risen or fallen and how they play throughout the year. And that's definitely something I want to get into. You know, uh, I haven't seen, I haven't watched a lot of the other G league, uh, games, like I said, but you know, I've seen my guy Tyrell Terry knock down some shots and Let's some highlights. So, so, you know, that's fun, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely something, you know, to keep an eye out on and, uh, that, that we're going to dive into. Yeah. I mean, dude, you and I, uh, the, the last time we recorded, we talked so much about Tyrell Terry and I think you and I are so high on him. So I'm really excited to see him play. Um, you know, it, weird to see Jared Jack out there. I know we mentioned it before, but yeah. you know, he, he was with the last time he played, he was with the Knicks and he's like, what, 37, something yeah, like that. You know, and it's, it's kind of crazy. He's 37. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel like he's a third. It's, it's weird, man. Also 37, like I'm going to be 35 in six months and mm-hmm. like 37's so soon. <laughs> like it doesn't like <laughs> so like I'm like, all right, well 37 sounds really old. And then I think about myself and I'm like, wait, that means I'm really old, but like I don't feel mm. really old. So he probably doesn't feel really old either. And yeah. I think he was nine for ten from the floor. So he really didn't feel uh really old. So it's it's just <laughs> something I thought that was the one thing I thought about when they mentioned he was 37. Hey, but uh NBA old and normal people old is different. Okay. You know, it's yeah. definitely different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's for sure Uh, but i agree (laughs) with you man it's 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 fun to have the g league this is like a great little you know uh, side thing for us to watch and i'm hyped man i'm really excited to continue to watch these guys even beyond the g league ignite guys and you know i i think it was a really good start yeah absolutely so all right let's uh let's you know end it there uh just in the future we're gonna have guests you know we're gonna continue to monitor these players and you know the fun thing about this podcast and and I think we're going to try to cover it differently than some of the other draft talk out there and, and kind of relating it to, you know, the stock market and, and rising and falling. And, you know, we're going to throw out different terms. Who's going to be the, the game stop of this draft that <laughs> NBA Twitter forces upon us to think is going to be the next, you know, second coming prospect, which will happen at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're going to do a lot of fun stuff. So, Really excited. Uh, thank you for, for listening to this first episode. Uh, and uh, I can't wait to, to keep, keep it rolling. Peace.